Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential. And in this series, I am focusing on mindfulness and meditation. So those of you who listen to me might be going, oh, there she goes again. (laughs) But there's a reason that I continue to talk about this subject because I have seen it in my own life, personally and professionally, as something that has made the most significant difference in my ability to be successful. And that says a lot. I think. So joining me today is one of my favorite people on the planet, Dennis Buttimer, and he's with the Atlanta Center for Mindfulness. And uh, we're going to talk about, you know, kind of my top questions for him. And we'll probably sideline a little bit here and there. You all know that I love to do that. So first of all, Dennis, thank you for joining me again today. Oh, my pleasure, Michael. It's always great to see you and be part of this. Really excited to uh, be here this morning. I, you know, I, when I started putting this series together, obviously you and Angela were top of my list and I can't wait to speak with her individually as well. And I know the last time that we did an interview, I had you both on where we were talking about mindfulness and people's job careers or their job search and, you know, how to, you know, be mentally prepared, you know, to be able to handle all the stresses of that. It's always fun to have you both, but I really am looking forward to, you know, learning a little bit more of your backstory with mindfulness and meditation and uh, see what uh, Pearl's wisdom you have for my uh, my guests so sure, before delighted. we begin tell us a little bit about you and your practice and you know and and why mindfulness yeah yeah well you mentioned michael uh, my wife angela and i we've been in business for 18 years and you know, i've been a, a coach for it's getting up there now about 35 years so um how did that happen right it's it just goes so fast but you know, uh, early in my life, I always wanted to be a helper and found myself in various uh, professions early on that had to do with helping other people. Even when I was in high school, I worked in a nursing home. When I uh, got out of high school, I was a first responder. I've done different things that, uh, you know, called to the idea of trying to help other people and, and frankly, rescue them, to be really frank. Um, And so, you know, when I got my degree, I got a master's in, in counseling back in Stone Age. And, <laughs> you know, I was really like, let me, let me, uh, well, hurry up and tell me the skills so I can get out there and just do some things, right? 
And I had this one professor, and I always remember this, and it's so relative, relevant to your question, is he said, you know, you're going to learn these skills. I know you're anxious to learn them, and that's great, and you do need to have skills. But the best thing that you can do is this concept called unconditional positive regard. And I'm looking at him like everyone else, stone face, like, yeah, right. But anyway, what about skills, right? <laughs> As time's gone on, and I started to include mindfulness in it, uh, in, in my practice and all of that, I really have gotten it more and more and more. Literally, as the years have gone by, I see the importance of that as the primary and not the secondary, being able to actually be present. Well, to be present with other people, you have to be present with yourself first. Mm -hmm. um, I had a real hard time with that, um, like I must tell you, a real early in my life. I, uh, I came from a very large family. I confess to you before I'm the oldest one, <laughs> and always said my parents had nine kids too many. I know that you're, you're what, the youngest of seven or? Baby of six, yeah. Baby of six, okay. Uh, and uh, we both know that's, that's, I mean, it's pretty loud. It could be, mm -hmm. in my case, I don't know about yours, but pretty intense. Now there was love, there was laughter and all these things. But I'll tell you something, there wasn't privacy and there sure wasn't a sense of calm. I mean, it was insanely loud. Now I was the oldest and although I, you know, was, you know, typical kind of um, oldest child, I had a hard time because I was, I, it impacted me where I was very anxious. And although I was a, a smart kid, I was doing average in school because I couldn't really concentrate. Is there any wonder? And then my junior year of high school, I had a, what was just a magnificent gift given to me where I had, I was in an all male school and I had a teacher there, an English teacher, who took an interest and he, he said, you know, I, I think I have something you may be interested in that could help you. And he, he said this to several others. It's called Transcendental Meditation. And I was so blessed with that gift. And Michael, that helped me. That started the whole path right there. And unlike many things that I started and stopped throughout my life, I stayed with that my so far my entire life. And it's impacted me in so many ways, personally and professionally. And what a gift. I remember you telling that story before. What a gift that that teacher gave you to find a way to quiet your mind, if even just a little bit. And, you know, so many of us, especially as, as children, are caught up in all that noise. And if you don't know how to quiet it, it follows you through your adulthood in every aspect of it. It really does. And, and I found almost instantly, now I, I, had a, I, had, I did have a very difficult time initially concentrating. As you can imagine, I would, I would close my eyes for like a minute. I would be really overcome. So these teachers were very, very good. And I wanted, honestly, I wanted to be like them. They were quite peaceful and calm. And that really motivated me. And so in, in, in doing that, fairly quickly then, I noticed that I, I, I had more of this quiet, like when I was going to sleep or when I was in school, I could focus more. And, and also even some of this crazy, crazy noise in our house, it just didn't seem to bother me as much. Yeah, it was, it was quite a quite an impact. By the way, this, this teacher is still very much alive and it turns out he, developed a, a counseling practice himself um, 
he's you know 10 years older let's say and he reached out to me recently and said oh i see that you have a book you have a couple of books uh can i buy a copy i'm like uh you don't you have to buy it so i was so honored to feel like wow full circle i'm giving this back to him but really he gave it to me so that's fantastic yeah. And it's those moments. I, I can't remember if I told you this before, but you know, I, when I was young, I had, when I was really young, I had a lot of trouble sleeping and um, my parents, you know, it would make them crazy because I would, you know, be like standing over them in the middle of the night going, I can't sleep. And I remember them going, well, we can, if you'd leave us alone. <laughs> but as a child, I could not quiet my mind. And I remember my parents one day came home um, with these tapes and, <clears throat> and then, you know, like the old cassette player, you know, that was the rectangular one. And sure. when I went to bed that night, they turned it on and it was this really relaxing voice that would, you know, kind of imagine your toes and how, how relaxed your toes are. And it would basically, you know, do a body scan all the way up. Sure. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what that meant, but I could go to sleep. And <clears throat> as I got um, older, and didn't have those tapes anymore, I would still practice that. When I'd get really, really stressed, like, okay, imagine your toes. And, you know, by the time I get to my knees, I'm like, I don't know, I've got too much I'm thinking about. And so I'd start over with the toes because like, but, you know, now that I look back, I think, gosh, I I did have that tool at least a little bit. And it, and I think it really helped me to accept when I finally got into a mindfulness and meditation practice that, wow, you can do it. And, you don't have to be perfect, but look, maybe you can get control over one part of your anxiety or your, you know, messy thoughts or your busy head. And, uh, you know, it really opened the door, which is once I finally figured out that I could use it to sleep at night and not wake mm-hmm. up or calm my head, um, yes. then I was m- so much more productive. And then that just opened up a whole new world. So when you think about that for yourself, you know, what about mindfulness and meditation, you know, besides kind of that initial, you know, spark of you, what has it done for you even beyond personally, but what's it done for you professionally? Yeah, I, it, it's, it's, uh, enabled, it's enabled me to help others to get more centered, even in times of great strife and struggle and strain, especially like with what we're going through now. And, to be able to be steady. You know, most people want to be steady. They want to be stable and in fact, aspire to peace. And yet maybe their behavior or honestly their conditioning and habits make it where they get derailed unwittingly. And so, you know, even if a person's coming to me and they say, well, you know, I'm coming here because I'm having you know, family issues or going through a, a transition at work, or I'm just plain anxious, I'm going to find a way to work that in, work mindfulness in, because it's such a good centering thing. Now, it, let's be clear, and, and you know this, it's not a panacea. It's not a magic pill that solves everything, but it's pretty darn good if you practice it consistently. And so I try to teach people little ways to learn it where it's not overwhelming, because if you get somebody from the start, especially somebody that not really crazy about doing it in the first place. <laughs> you're going to meditate twice a day for 20 minutes, which is, you know, what I do. And I've done that a long time. They're just not going to do it. And they're set up for failure. So I've been really touched by the uh, people uh, uh, that 
not just the ones that want to do mindfulness classes per se, but executives that I work with who you would not think in a million years they would be open to it. But now remember, when, when there's enough suffering, you'll be open to a lot of ideas that you're not, you're not normally open to, right? Amen. Right? So, I, you know, I've seen people do that and, uh, you know, in just different realms with cancer patients to see the effects and to know the research that, you know, uh, Don Capazin, I believe, was the one that identified through his research that, that uh, those who meditate heal, heal at four times the rate of non-meditators, uh, which even that in itself is pretty good. There's just all kinds of benefits. Oh my gosh. No well, kidding. I enjoy introducing that to, to, to groups or, or to individuals, Michael. It, it just is it's, it's very gratifying to me, honestly. So um, I'm going to pose two, two questions. And they are, they're both, uh, imagine, I, I'm going to set the stage as if you're sitting on an airplane with somebody, you know, because sure. one day we're going to be able to sit on airplanes with people again. <laughs> and so imagine you're sitting on an airplane and you're talking to someone and they, you, you know, they ask what you do and, you know, you're talking to them. They say, well, that's really nice, but you know, I don't, I don't need that. My career is already great. So, you know, I'm happy in my personal life. My professional life is awesome. Um, you know, what, what would you say to kind of pique their interest in what it could mean for their career and, you know, really all that they want to attain? Right. Well, I, I, I like, I do like to, I must say that I, I like to play devil's advocate with people initially and say, oh gosh, really? So you were saying like your career is going pretty good and um, it, it's all pretty good. Like most of the areas, there's not like troubling areas or anything like that. You're, you just, you're doing great, right? I mean, basically, uh, often people will say, well, I mean, yeah, it, it's going good. I mean, I've got, I, you know, I do have this one thing with my son, but so those kind of things maybe give me a, an, an intro to it. But what I, what I do try to do also is to say with folks like that, that what would it be like if you were able to expand the good that you already have going on now? In other words, uh, you could become even more creative, find even better solutions to things that are occurring in your life. Maybe you'll, you'll be able to, to, to learn some new abilities, uh, not learn some new abilities, access some abilities that you have that are latent. What would that be like? And, you know, if you're interested, this is something that could help with those things. Again, not as a something that's going to solve everything, but an additional, um, I'm going to call it like a mechanism that you could use, uh, another tool in your toolbox. It's an additive. It's an additive thing. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree with that. And as you were talking, I was thinking about how much um, more creative I have been in when I look back, the first thing I can say is because I sleep better. You know, I mean, just the very fact that I think I spent the first half of my life, more than half of my life, the first two thirds of my life thus far, I spent with really unsettled sleep, difficult to get to sleep, difficult to stay asleep. And if I woke up, I was awake and my mind was racing and, you know, and that's stressful but it also, it exhausts you. I mean, you know, you don't sleep well, yes. so it exhausts you that way, but you're already mentally exhausted when you wake up. And now when I can put myself back to sleep and I can say to my mind, okay, that's fine. 
Um, and if, if a thought just won't go out of my head, I will literally get up, write it down and go back to sleep and say, but the rest of it can wait till tomorrow. And to get to that point, when I wake up, I am fresh and I am ready for Excellent. new ideas to find a place to come in. You're, you're really exemplifying something very uh, powerful about mindfulness that was uh, actually uh, mentioned in, in just a little bit of a quote here by Albert Einstein. So we, we think of him as just a magnificent creator, great scientist, metaphysician, and he said the solution to our problems cannot be solved at the same level of consciousness where they were created. So we try to use the same methods to solve our problems. We might be lying there in bed and go, if I can just figure out this one thing, then I can go back to sleep. So we'll use these tried and true, well, tried but not workable, <laughs> right, habits. But then like you do, like you're like, hang on a minute, let me get up, let me turn up, I wanna keep laying here, let me sit on the side of the bed, write this down, and then say later, and lay back down. Um, that That is going to that other, uh, place of consciousness. So that's, that's an excellent example of that. Yeah. And I know that when I don't do that, I don't fall back into sleep. Well, if it's something that's really been bothering me because I'm afraid I'm going to forget it. So I have to actually like get it out literally of my head and know that I've written it down. And then that way I'm like, okay, good. In the morning, you may not be able to read your writing very well. <laughs> <laughs> but you make enough out of it that it'll spark all the, you know, the, the uh, neurons will start firing. Sure. Next week. That's right. That's so good. And I love that too, because, you know, sometimes, Michael, people really misunderstand. Like I was talking about meditation and, you know, I do meditate a decent amount each day. That's fair. But, you know, mindfulness isn't all about meditation. It's about doing things like what you just described. It's like taking a break from your computer. It's like, going for a walk uh, in your neighborhood. It's like looking at this flower. It's, you know, things like that. It's, it, it could be a emotional freedom technique, although that's not a, a mindfulness practice. It is mindful to use it. So there's just a lot that you can do, you know, once you really um, grasp and begin to integrate this concept. I was, it's, you, you brought up a, a funny memory from last, uh, last spring. Um, or I guess, no, last fall, maybe a year ago. Anyway, uh, I was trying this guided meditation that was a walking meditation. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you put it on and, you know, she wants you to feel the ground with your feet and then, you know, walk slower than usual. And so I was just on my block and she's like, look up, look at something that you've never looked up at. And I looked up at that very moment, there was a massive hornet's nest in this tree, like the biggest thing, bigger than a medicine ball. Wow. And it was huge, just hanging oh right over gosh. a car. And I was oh like, clearly that didn't happen overnight. <laughs> so, I know it was there, it's, it's been there, right? It had been there all season. And I went, oh, oh my, my gosh. God, what is, what am I missing right. when I'm not raising my awareness or being mindful of different things? I know, I totally get it. I totally get it. I, I, the true story, about, um, gosh, 15 years ago, Angel and I had our practice. So we have a brick and mortar uh, business as well with our, our coaching, counseling, and mindfulness corporate services. So we're over here in this other building, and now we're next door to it. Many years ago, we are in the former, and I pull up to the office one day, I swear to you, I pull up, and I say to myself, wow, 
it's amazing what they can do in one weekend because it's a Monday. It's amazing what they can do in one weekend. I mean, these landscaping folks, I mean, it is just tremendous. So I go upstairs and I'm sitting, it's like, oh my gosh, it's just so cool what they've done at it. She said, what are you talking about? I said, see where my car is, just sort of catty corner to it. Look at that tree right there. And she's looking at it. She's like, uh-huh. And I said, I wonder how long that's been there. I mean, they they basically pop that right in. She goes, honey, I think that tree's been there maybe, I don't know, 35 years. <laughs> to it constantly and didn't see it. And I teach meditation. How did I not see it? It's like right in front of us. Oh, my gosh. We're not seeing because... I don't know, not for bad reason. We just, we've got a lot that we're thinking about and trying to attain. Yeah. And it's that whole sense of, you know, just the drive, you know, to work and, and what, you know, what you're used to and what you don't yeah. see. And you get there and you're like, how did I get here? Well, because you've <laughs> driven it so many times, you're not thinking about it instead of, you know, enjoying some of those moments. <laughs> so true. So true. Yeah. So imagine that you're still on this uh, you're still on this plane with this person and they're like, okay, well maybe it might help my career a little bit, but I've tried it. I just can't do it. I'm not any good at meditation. What would you say to them? Or what do you say to them? I know you well, must get that. Definitely. And I'll say, well, I try to use paradox first and foremost. Um, that, that I'll say like, um, well, I mean, you may not be able to do what I'm, I'm going to say. It, it, it's not real complex, but I mean, it's like five minutes. You just do this for like five minutes. So every time you exhale, you just say the word calm to yourself. Oh, oh, and by the way, if your mind goes somewhere else, that, that's okay. It's supposed to do that. Do you know there's actually something that the brain does called default uh, systematic mechanism that it goes into automatically? So, so if, it, if it does that, that's, that's just what it does because it's like an evolutionary thing. You know, it jumps all around stuff. So. I mean, you could play with it for like five minutes, but I mean, you may not, I, I don't know if you want to do it, but it's like, you just do five minutes and by, by all means, don't do more than five minutes. <laughs> do not. Minutes. And especially for beginners, right? Don't do more than five minutes. I no, it's, it's like, it's not a, it's not a, like a meditation law. Uh, you're not breaking any policies or anything, but I, I wouldn't do, I would just do five minutes. And so, you know, the deal that once mm -hmm. you started, you know, it, it's hard not to take the bait of that a little bit. You know, it's like, I could do it. You know, heck, most people have been through a lot of things for five minutes and they worse than meditating for five minutes. I'll also share my own story a little bit about how I was one of the least uh, likely people to meditate. And I used to be a long distance runner and I, and I would, still favor that more than the med meditation because it was a resistance to be still. So I'll tell them, you know, I was really anxious. I, believe me, I'm not somebody you would think would be meditating. And uh, so, so yeah, I mean, you could experiment if you wanted to, you know. That's <laughs> my it. approach, right? Yeah. And I think it's brilliant because it's like not making a big deal of it. And I, every time I come up with somebody that says something like that to me, oh, I've tried it. I can't do it. I'm like, well, what, why do you say you can't do it? Because you didn't do it perfectly? Like, yeah, I couldn't point. do it. I'm like, I'm like, well, it's not supposed to be perfect. It exactly right. fact, if, it's, if it's perfect, you're yeah. probably doing it wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. 
you know, I was on a retreat with Sharon Salzberg many years ago, and she said something so poignant that, that makes so much sense to your point, and that is, you know, the coming back is the meditation that you, I mean, I've had plenty of times meditating in bliss, but most times not just bliss, the mind drifts over here, okay, you, you just want to compassionately bring yourself back over here, that's when you're meditating, you're causing your mind to come back to the point of concentration, so. Yeah, I and I love it. I think that, you know, we, you know, we all want to be quote unquote perfect, but, you know, the whole practice of mindfulness and meditation for me is about understanding this is the place where I get to not be perfect yeah. and I get to work in that space and I get to, and there's, you know, it's just me. I can't, I'm not going to judge myself negatively for it. I'm just going to go, wow, look at you've caught yourself going down a different path. And you recognize excellent. it. So excellent. And it is progress, not perfection. Absolutely. Well, as we, near, as we near the end, we'll have all of your contact information on the show notes. But for anybody who wants to look you up right now, what's the best way for them to find you? Okay. Uh, it is path, like walking on the path, path to bestself.com. And you can see, you know, the many services that both myself and Angela have. And you know, if, if people do have, um, always say this, uh, people have questions or they just want to shoot an email and say, well, you know, I've started a meditation practice, but what about this or that? We're happy to do it. I mean, this is a, we're, we're in a business, Michael. Yes, we are. But we also, why did we come into this field? Why are we in this business? It's because we want it to be a more peaceful planet. We want people to be uh, their best. And, and in fact, our, our logo is, um, um, when you when you feel your best, you perform at your best, right? So we help people not just like you know feel perfect all the time or something, but but to feel better because if you think about it, when you feel aligned with your highest self, which is what you get when you meditate, you're more likely to make skillful decisions. So that we're we're excited when we can help people just you know, be more skillful, whether it's in their marriage or, their, or in their job or with their kid or just their neighbor. I mean, just, just so they feel better. So that's, yeah, that's what I would share about that. I totally agree. I, it makes me think about how many times since I've been, I've been practicing this for almost five years when I love the, the word practicing, I'm practicing. I'm not trying to perfect. I'm just continuing to practice. But one of the things that I'm always amazed with myself is that when someone throws a stressful ball at me, you know, like, oh, you know, this has to be done now, or this is an emergency, or I'm upset or whatever, is that the old me would immediately react, immediately, like, okay, we got to right. fix this. And the new me or, and the evolving me says, and just is quiet. Outstanding. And, oh my and just just waits and listens more. And to your point, asks more questions and lets it simmer and gives that my brain time to process. And I found that people are, are surprised that my facial expression is very calm because 10 years ago, that would not have been my facial expression. What? Exactly. And I'm like, and they're like, wow, you're really calm. And, I, and that doesn't mean I'm always calm inside, but I, I am a lot more calm than I ever was. And that yes. whole, whole sense of my increased calm 
also keeps calm around me and that it just feeds upon itself. And so, you know, when you're talking about making better decisions, it really can because it, it gets you to stop and step back yes. and breathe for a second. See, what you're talking about is just so poignant, Michael, because even in the now with the COVID-19 and all that's going on, and you know, we've seen things before where it's 9-11, the 2008 thing, and now we have this, and it, it, granted, it's pretty crazy. But you know, the, the, the person that we have the most control and power over is ourselves. And if we find ourselves, it, it can cause ourselves to be in a calm place every day and then emerge from there. We can only do good from that point versus if we get, we get attached and get crazy to all of these notions of, oh my God, the world's coming to an end. And so I think that what's happened with you uh, is the benefit of your brain is actually altered. So you probably have that, I would bet, the thickening in that left prefrontal cortex so that you have more of a sense of, yeah. I, I, Yay. Check your MRI next time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That that you're you're better able to stay in a place of rationality and planning and thinking and organizing as a person's talking to you versus being hijacked by the fear center, the amygdala jumping all over. Oh my God, are you gonna let him get away with that? You better say something right now. You're just like, mm -hmm, okay, all right. Well, I have a point here in a second. But maybe there's more information here. Or, you know, you just you caused yourself to be calmer. Exactly. It's exciting. Exactly. And I never thought there was a part of me that I wanted to have thickening, but I think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> I when, I, when I say that, a lot of times people are looking like, don't worry, your head's not going to like grow or anything. But. Uh, I'm like, I just spent the last uh, 14 weeks under COVID on, on a uh, new workout plan and I've lost 15 pounds, but I'll have the thickening up there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I grew my brain while I was under this. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, Dennis, as always, it's a joy. Before we say oh, goodbye to you, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice? Well, I would say this, and, 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 and it's going to be contrary to, to a lot that you hear, is by all means ignore reality. By all means ignore reality. And I mean that in the sense that whatever is happening in the world uh, is a temporary condition. And this is what uh, mindfulness teaches, is that we, we cause our own suffering because we get hooked into conditions that are temporary, and we start really putting our worth and our livelihood and existentially we buy into it all we have to have a light touch you have to observe it you, you can feel it but just not buy into it and so you get to interpret remember the point of power is always in the present moment it's not thinking about what work's going to be like in six months it's time to to, to gas and, and to plan some things but not get too hooked into it and so i would close with that is that you get to choose. And that's one of the most precious gifts of mindfulness. I love it. Thank you, Dennis. I'm so glad to have you back on. I oh, know my lighting. viewers and listeners will be very, uh, will gain a great deal from it. And my thank pleasure. you so much. And thank you. And you're one of my favorite people on earth too. No, no joke. It's a pleasure as always. Okay. Thank you, my friend. We will talk you're, again soon. You bet. All the best. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.